0: Life Audio.
1: Hello, everybody, welcome back to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine, and I'm absolutely delighted to have you join us once again for another episode that promises to ignite your spirit and inspire your journey. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Anne Lynn, author living in LA, who discusses her new book, Forever Home: Moving Beyond Brokenness to Build a Strong and Beautiful Life. Her book will be releasing on September 26th. In Forever Home, Anne speaks on resilience, healing, and transformation. With wisdom born from her own experiences, she unveils the essence of our common desires as humans, the desire for lasting peace and finding our safe haven amidst life storms. In this conversation, we discuss the concepts in her book, um, which are removing the patterns that no longer serve us, renewing our foundation, rebuilding the framework, reinforcing boundaries, and finally restoring the beauty within and around us. So if you've ever asked yourself, why does this keep happening to me? This episode is for you. You can find Anne and follow her on Instagram at Girl and the Word. Also, at the end of this interview, I go in a little rant about my personal journey with boundaries and therapy. So stay tuned if you want a little more insight into that. But for now, after a few words from our sponsors, let's hear from Anne. I guess just kind of like before we talk about your book, can you share with us a little bit about you and like your faith background? Like how did you, you know, become a Christian and what does that sort of look like for you in terms of of living out your faith?
0: Yeah. So uh, my name is Anne and I actually grew up in a Catholic household. My mom was Catholic. My dad was non-religious and I just kind of Went along with the flow until I didn't. (laughs) And um, I just, like, once I was old enough to make my own decisions, I completely just stopped going to church with my mom and had no interest in any religion um, until I hit my lowest point in life. It was in, um, I forgot what year it was, but I was a sophomore and I was. Really, at a point where I could not see a future for myself anymore, and that was when Jesus literally appeared to me in this vision through the altar um, that we had in my childhood home. Like, I just saw the altar in my mind's eye, and I just felt like this comfort wash over me from head to toe. And that was my first visceral experience with the divine, and what sparked my Um, interest in Christianity. And um, not long after that, I gave my life to Christ and haven't looked back since. But of course, it hasn't been perfect after you accept Christ. It's just been a roller coaster of ups and downs. But at least now I have this, you know, solid rock I can lean on when times get tough.
1: Wow, that's a beautiful story. And I guess I'm just curious, like, what was that like for you experiencing Jesus in such a visceral way for the first time? Were you just like, full of peace and like, oh my gosh, I have to follow this? Or what was kind of like going through your mind and heart when you experienced that?
0: Yeah. So I I wrote about my testimony in the book, but um, I guess a little snapshot is that Um, At the time, my home life was a mess. Um, My dad had recently passed away. My relationship with my mom just absolutely crumbled after that. And not only that, but I uh, fell in love with a pretty like narcissistic kid at the time. He was like 16. He was two years older than me. Um, But of course, he was not faithful and um, it turned abusive towards the end. And I just felt like I was unloved, I was abandoned, I didn't have anyone to turn to. And so I found myself one day after like a house party, just absolutely trashed, like on all the substances. Um, And at the end of the party, I squeezed into a random stranger's car and it filled up with some of my friends and then he took off and then he was blasting techno music and everybody was just kind of messed up and in that back seat was where I started crying because I had a come to myself moment where I realized wow nobody truly loves you and just as soon as that thought entered my mind I saw that vision of the painting of Jesus And I felt the comfort washing over me from the top of my head, cloaking my arms down to my toes. And it just felt like the most comforting and peaceful hug that I'd ever, ever received. And so after that happened, I'm sure the drugs, you know, had something to do with it too. But after that kind of experience happened, I really broke out of the the intoxicated mess that I was in. And I had enough sobriety in me to direct the uh, driver to take me home. Um, but yeah, it was, wow. it was a wild experience of encountering God when I was at my darkest moment.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just so um, cool of you to share that because so many people walk through things like that and dark moments like that, especially Youth, you know, people in high school, Mm -hmm. college, I mean, of course, older than that as well. But I mean, I just know, I remember having moments like that as a teenager and just the intense darkness you feel. And when Mm -hmm. you don't have the awareness that there's an intense love and an intense Mm -hmm. light, that is Jesus who loves you so much. When you don't have that awareness, it can feel really scary to be in that place. So it's really awesome having people like you who you're like, I've been there. I know what you're feeling, but I also know that there is a God who loves you and cherishes you and has a lot of hope and future for you. Mm,
0: Yes. And I really didn't expect to encounter the Lord at all, because like I said, I wasn't searching for him. But Apostle Paul said it best, you know, that when we are at our darkest, like when While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it really isn't our doing um, when we encounter him. It is his love that reaches out to us. And I just want to encourage everyone who's listening that you don't have to do anything to earn his love for you. He already loves you. He's already thinking of you and he already has a greater plan for you.
1: Yes, exactly. And like the quote unquote, like good decisions or good behavior follows out of the overflow of love that we first experience from him. So it's not like we have to have yeah. everything cleaned up and be sober and all these things before he loves us. Like he yeah. loves us in the brokenness and mess and then as mm-hmm. we like accept that and take in his love, then we're moved to make better decisions and live yes. more holy and um so it's kind of like, it's like, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, like definitely his love because yes, that's <laughs> where it starts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. And um, some people would equate this to this feeling of object permanence, um, which is this thing that a lot of toddlers learn, like, for example, when their parents hold out like their favorite toy in front of them and then they put the toy behind them, they learn that the toy is still there, so they don't freak out. And so as you grow older, you learn this thing called relational permanence, where if your loved one walks out to go get groceries or whatever, you're not going to freak out because you know they're going to come back. But so many of us don't have that same relational security with the Lord, where when we don't feel him, or when we don't see him, which is 100% of the time, we don't know that he's there. And yet he is. So my hope is that when we learn how to replace this insecurity with a more solid foundation on his love, we can have a greater assurance that he is still out there, looking after us and has this whole life planned out for us so we don't have to worry
1: yeah that's beautiful I actually really needed to hear that today because I have been like we all struggle with things right and my part of my journey right now is really learning like my um like I, I I think I search for a lot of acceptance in people and human mm. relationships and I look for a lot of fulfillment in those. And when I don't get it, I feel very like anxious and mm-hmm. scared and sad. And so I'm really learning how how to just take you know, my relationship with God and let that be enough. Let that be mm. all I need because He is all I need and He thinks mm. I'm enough and He loves me and He accept accepts me. And it's so hard though, you know, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. a journey many of us are on. And I share that not to like, you know, get all down that rabbit hole, but more just to relate to people. Like, you know, it's, it's easy to feel that. And it mm-hmm. it is difficult to learn how to uh, trust in the Lord and trust that he number one is always there and he's not going anywhere and he's enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a recovering people pleaser myself. And I also, Lean towards the anxious attachment style, where if I feel like there's tension or distance in a relationship, I used to get so overwhelmed by anxiety that I wouldn't know how to kind of regulate myself. But after God would like God patiently, literally held my hand through that healing process um, and introduced me to all of these amazing people and resources who helped me understand myself and looks back on my life through the play by play. um, Now I'm finally able to have that self-awareness and catch myself when I'm kind of spiraling um, and put it kind of nip in the bud, you know, by reminding myself of biblical truths that I know to be absolutely true.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Couldn't relate to that more. I am the same way. It's like, I recognize it now when it's starting to happen yeah. and I catch the <laughs> lies like, nope, don't mm. go down there. Like that is not truth. The truth is that, you know, you're okay and God mm-hmm. is not leaving you. So yes, yeah, God's that's got you. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, that kind of leads me into talking about your book. So your book is called forever home. Mm-hmm. And I was reading, you know, I pre-ordered it on Amazon. I'm so excited, oh, but I was reading you. a little bit about it. And it says that you really tackled the question why does this keep happening to me? So Mm -hmm. I would love to know, like, um, I guess to start, like what was your inspiration for writing this book? But also like, where did the inspiration for tackling that topic come from? Like, you know, answering the question, Mm -hmm. why does this keep happening to me?
0: Yeah, so I guess when I was presented with the opportunity to write a book, I reflected on my life to see what value I could add to society. And (laughs) I realized that through all of the moments where I was in transition, all of the times when I had to move either willingly or against my will, I had to learn how to adjust to that transition and make the most of what I had, despite the um, kind of stress that it caused in my life. And at a younger age, the trauma that it caused. So um, through learning how to start over so many times and later on in life, starting over with Jesus, so many times, I thought that I could create kind of this guidebook to help others kind of navigate the transitions in life and walk forward from their trauma, feeling more restored and healed while creating this external space that reflects their internal well-being.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I, and I want to get more into like some of the um the bullet points you have for how to do that specifically but before we do that i want to also talk about how you you tackle this topic but through the lens of like diy and making your home a cozy space and i really mm-hmm. like that concept like how you were saying you know it's not that we're finding worth and value in the material things around us but it's that as we create a space that we feel peaceful and safe in our internal self is kind of able to do more of that work if we can feel, um, at peace in our surroundings. Mm -hmm. And so I like how you kind of intertwine the two, but it's not that our happiness is dependent on Mm -hmm. the material things around us. So can you explain a little bit about that too?
0: Yes, absolutely. So during my research and through trauma therapy, I learned that, um, Our sense of safety and our sense of um, creativity and all the things that make us who we are mostly lie in our frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe actually shuts down when we are in fight or flight mode. So when you're in an argument with your loved one or see like a wolf in the corner or any any, kind of external danger that you sense shuts down your frontal lobe so that you can focus on the survival (laughs) um, aspect, right? And so what cleaning up your space and creating a space that serves you, what that does is that it allows your frontal lobe to reactivate so that in the midst of trials, at least you have this, this intimate space where you can feel like you can think more clearly, you can um, approach the Lord and, and um, receive his word more rationally um, and just generally behave in ways that glorify God and is more true to yourself without giving in to the fear that
1: surrounds you. That makes a lot of sense. I can definitely relate to that. And I would assume, you know, maybe everyone's a little bit different, but I would assume there are a handful of people out there who are really affected by their surroundings, probably more Mm -hmm. than they even realize. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. You you can talk about the frontal lobe and how science actually backs that.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean it's all facets of the same coin. Our our physical self, our mental, emotional, our spiritual selves. We are all just. It's all interrelated. We're one whole being. Mm-hmm. And so there's no separating, you know, the spiritual warfare versus the mental health problems that we have. And because everything kind of blends into each other and how the mental health affects the physical health and how our external um circumstances affect our internal world. It's all connected. We're so complex and made yeah. in the image of God
1: in that way. You're so right. And I do think um. Society, maybe, maybe not so much now, but definitely in the past, like really made an effort to separate those things. And it, mm-hmm. people weren't really understanding that it all relates and it yes. all feeds into everything. It blends and it's fluid. So to be able to like really see the world that way, I think is really beneficial. Um mm-hmm. so I want to talk to like I don't you don't obviously have to tell us everything because we should read the book, but I know you have um the five powerful steps to rebuilding your forever home. And like I said, I love this concept that you have of like your forever home being found in Christ, found in Jesus, but then also reflected in your surroundings. Um mm-hmm. and so I you have these five steps and I want to just kind of, can we just talk about all five? And maybe if you want to give like a little piece of like, you know, what inspired you to include that in the story? Um. Yes.
0: Yeah. So just right off the bat, I'll just read the five steps and these are kind of the the pillars um, that I made my points on. So the first one is to remove the unsafe patterns of your past renewing the foundation of your life, rebuilding the framework of your resilience, reinforcing the integrity of your boundaries, and restoring the beauty that God promised you. And in the book, I separated these five points into sections. Um, The first one being the foundation, where you experience that demolition phase, the deconstruction phase, where everything looks totally beyond repair, and you cannot see how it could possibly get any better. But Knowing and having faith that oh, without tearing down the old I can't make space for something new and better. So that's the kind of foundational phase where you have to tear away the old first and then erect a new foundation. And the foundation that I'm mostly focusing on is the foundation of God's love, because that's the ultimate security that you can have. Mm -hmm. You can have relational security. And of course, that is going to be a byproduct of your secure relationship with God. But people are going to let you down. You know, even the most trustworthy people are imperfect. And when you rely on people so much for your sense of regulation, you're going to hit moments where you're going to be completely out of control because people are going to disappoint you. So the first foundation is resting our confidence on God's love. And then from there, from that solid foundation, we can erect framing which are the boundaries in our life, the things that keep the good in and the bad out, as Dr. Um, John Townsend and Henry Cloud says in their book, Boundaries. Great um, books. <laughs> I Yeah, I l- love that book, changed my life. Um, but the thing I learned about boundaries is that you are not selfish for creating boundaries with your loved ones. And in fact, the closer you get to someone, the more boundaries you should have to ensure that there is no enmeshing, but there is a mutual respect on about who, what belongs to who. So for example, let's say your life is your home and the people that come in and out of your life are like the visitors of your home. Let's say a stranger wants to approach you would you be called selfish if you didn't invite them to your master bedroom? No, right? Because mm-hmm. they they need a, an appropriate distance from you um, before trust is established. Then maybe they will become a friend and you'll invite them into the living room. And if they become a close friend, perhaps you'll give them a full tour of your house. Mm-hmm. So people should be given the appropriate amount of access to you according to the level of responsibility that they've demonstrated in your life and the trust that you guys have built together. And I got this concept from Lisa Turkers, who also is an incredible speaker on boundaries. So that's kind of the the framework aspect. And then after you build the house, you put all the... um like finishing touches on it, such as the paint and the electrical wiring on all that. Now comes the inspections process, right? This is when you hire someone from the city who uh, might delay your project by a whole lot of weeks. And that might be very, very um, frustrating. Um, But without proper inspections, you might miss things that you didn't even know were a problem so in the inspections process of your life the inspector is the holy spirit you allow him to search your heart you allow him to point out areas that were blind uh, were in your blind side and it allows you to really ensure that the new life that you're building upon god's love it's truly a life that is god honoring and serves you and um spurs you on toward good works. So Mm -hmm. um, it might delay you by a lot longer than you want. And we always talk about like God's timing, right? Like when's he going to come through? Why is he late? Actually, he's doing an inspection process, either on you or the people who are going to be in your future. So you, you better hope that he's taking his good time on this so that the end result can be what you prayed it to be so um, and finally it's the adornment phase restoring the beauty right that god promised you and so many times we feel guilty for um like self-care event uh, essential mm-hmm. oh, sorry essentially we feel like we either don't deserve it or that it's selfish to indulge in yourself but actually if you don't Take care of yourself. You can't show up for others in a way that serves them. So Absolutely. people around you, yeah, and your loved ones deserve the happiest, most fulfilled, and highest capacity version of you. And that can only come by adorning your life um, with things that fulfill your soul and and uh, um, lift your spirits higher.
1: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. I'm so excited to get my hands on your book and dive more into these concepts because I feel like really anybody could benefit from this topic, Mm -hmm. but I also think that it hits my heart a lot because I'm, you know, well, I'm not super newly married I've I've been married for seven years but I have Ooh. two yeah but I have two kids that are young and I'm you know we just moved into a new house and I'm kind of like you know oh. in that phase of like building up our little life with yes. our little family and and I just think um I I think I could benefit a lot from from this you know, just ruminating yeah. on these things and thinking about what does this look like? And I do have a question for you. I'm curious your thoughts on this, just since you have done some of this research with with you and God. Um, mm. But I think boundaries is a huge topic. I mean, I I know I first started hearing the word boundaries probably about five years ago, and I've been doing a lot mm. of, of my own work on it in my own life, because like we mentioned, people pleaser over here, you know, really have to learn about that. But One question I I do have is like, where do you see the difference between putting up boundaries and and healthy Mm. boundaries versus conditional love? So this is where Mm. I have gotten hung up a little bit in my process is because I'm like, okay, I know that putting up this boundary would be really healthy for me and it's good and it's valid. But then I'm like, am I putting up a condition to
0: this person,
1: you know, is this now stepping into conditional love? Mm. And I, I would, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think where I'm kind of at with it is like, well, love can look a little bit different. It doesn't mean letting someone into your space. It might just mean respecting them from afar. Um, and so I don't know, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on that. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's a totally valid question and one that I'm sure more than a few, Christian women have, especially because of the pressures being put upon us and the expectations that are placed upon us to kind of just be everything to everybody. Um, But during my research, um, I learned a lot from Lisa, Lisa Turkers, um, because she had the same question as a a mother of quite a few children. Um, She finally realized that until she could make peace with the idea that boundaries is not just a good idea, but they are God's idea. She will always feel this tension between um, having good boundaries and biblical truths. So the fact of the matter is that it boundaries and biblical truths are not, you know, at uh, like butting heads with each other. Um, Boundaries are God's idea. And when you flip open the Bible to even the first page it's filled with godly boundaries. He created the heavens and the earth, right? The sky and the ground below it, the ground and the water. So everything has its own boundaries and property lines. Um, Things belong to wherever he placed them. Those are the physical boundaries. And then when he created man in his image, what does he say? You can eat from every tree in this garden except one. So he created a boundary. And it's not to punish the man, it is to protect him. So if we look at boundaries as God's idea, we'll very clearly see him set these boundaries to protect us throughout the Bible. And when we erect boundaries with our loved ones, we have to do it with the mentality that this is not to punish them. This is to protect me and protect our relationship. Because the more they invade my space without knowing what my rules are, the more resentful I will be towards them. And that—that that is not love. Resentment is not love. Mm-hmm. Love is truth. Love is like honesty. Love is patient. I mean, God really defined love for us in for, uh, Second Corinthians. So yeah. just, yeah. So uh, none of it says like love is allowing people to make, you resentful of them, right? Love is keeping all the problems to yourself until you can't take it anymore and you explode. No, actually love is telling the truth with grace. And that is what God wants us to practice in our godly relationships is to just tell the truth in love. And that is setting healthy boundaries.
1: I think that's beautiful. It reminds me a lot of the verse where it says, seek first the kingdom and all else will be given to you. Like, Mm -hmm. And seeking the kingdom, I mean such a small sentence but it's a huge concept um and i'm okay. this certainly falls into that like realizing you know setting boundaries like you said it's not just something we do but it's it's actually a biblical truth that we need to mm-hmm. abide by and when we do it creates this beauty around us that we couldn't even you know, imagine up on our own. So I think that's a really, really good thought. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And as we kind of close out this episode, I would love to hear from you. Do you have like, um, it could even just be a favorite verse or maybe a verse that sort of sums up your book, Forever Home, or a verse that really stood out to you as you were writing it. Do you have one in mind that you could share with us?
0: Yes, let me just look it up right now so I don't butcher it. So it is first Peter five or first Peter chapter five, verse 10. It says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. So if anything, if there's one thing that you could take from my book is that you have a hope, like you are not doomed to a miserable life just because of your painful past. There's hope for you, no matter what you did or what um, someone has done to you. And hopefully my book can serve as your greatest ally on this journey of healing.
1: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Like I said, I can't wait to read it. I'm I think it's going to be right up my alley and I want all of our listeners to hear this and be encouraged too. I also love the space behind you. It's so pretty and like peaceful (laughs) and kind of messy. (laughs) No, it's like calming though. So it's very inspiring. Is it like your office area? Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: my um, art studio pretty much. That's why you see all of these craft products
1: behind me. Yeah, that's great. And that actually reminds me, um, do you have you have like a shop or something that you sell items on? Do you want to (laughs) tell the listeners?
0: (laughs) Yes, thank you. It's called Mm the Hooga Shop, uh, H-O-O-G-A. And I sell my devotionals there and jumpsuits and um, instrumental worship music, really anything that elevates your quiet time with the Lord.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your book and um, I will be sure to like let you know my thoughts when I'm done with it. Mm. So <laughs> Yes, please. Thank you yeah. for having me. Hello everybody. I am adding in a little more content to this episode. I really enjoyed speaking to Anne. She was lovely. So much knowledge, so much experience. Um She just is so eloquent with how she shares her faith and and what she believes in Jesus and what has helped her. And I can't wait to read her book, like I said in our interview. I wanted to add a thought because as I was putting this together and as I was thinking more about our conversation, I just wish I could have talked to her for so much longer because I think what we were speaking about was so great. And I mean, this is just further confirmation that you need to Run Not Walk to buy her book and dive more into it for yourself and what that means in your personal life, finding your forever home, your sanctuary in Jesus Christ and the love that he has for you. And I wanted to talk a little bit about boundaries because that was something we we focused in on for a little bit. And like I said, I wish we could have talked so much longer about it. But I wanted to add some of my own personal thoughts and feelings about boundaries because If anyone out there listening wants to relate to me on this issue, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Boundaries is one of the key words that has helped me in not only my walk with Christ, but also just being a more healthy human being. I am, I think I shared this on the episode, but I am a definite, definite people pleaser. I don't really understand when that started, but um, it has been a key theme of my life and I have been learning so much about how to cut out those habits. I am nowhere near where I'd like to be with that, but I am definitely progressing in a, I think, positive direction. Um, There was one thing I just wanted to circle back on and and talk a little bit more about. And again, not a boundaries expert, not claiming to be, but I want to just talk about it with you all. Because if you are struggling, let's have a conversation. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm going to give you some of mine. Please tell me yours. Um, But I was thinking a little bit about boundaries. And something that has been very, very helpful for me is therapy. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I know I probably sound like I'm beating a dead horse. You've probably heard this a thousand times of people saying, "Go to therapy, go to therapy." And you may roll your eyes, you may shove it to the back, you might say, "Oh my gosh, I hear this all the time. I can't afford therapy. Can people just stop?" You know, saying how great it is. Um, I was there. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background on my story with therapy, just in case. I don't know. The Holy Spirit might be using this to speak into someone's life that's on the fence of deciding whether or not they need to do therapy. And I want to just talk about it from my perspective. This isn't right or wrong. This is just what I have seen in my own life. So um, I had been battling uh, just some issues, some mental health struggles for years. And I think, again, a lot of it is sourced from people-pleasing and, you know, all that entails. And, um, you know, I believe it was affecting many relationships around me, including my marriage. And, you know, it was affecting relationships that were so important to me. And a lot of people kept saying to me, well, Catherine, like, can you talk to a therapist? Can you go to therapy? And I, I wanted to, but the financial commitment felt very overwhelming to me at the time. And I was just like, I want to but I mean it is expensive. And I want to explain some of my journey with that just to um share with you what that looked like for me. And essentially what happened was I did get to a place that was so low where I just put my foot down and I said, "Well, I know this is going to be a big financial commitment, but mental health is very important to me and if I don't take care of this now, I don't even know you know, at a certain point, what my job life, you know, if I can hold a job, you know, and, and so it just, and and I, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I don't know if it was to that extent, but you know, I needed to take it seriously and I needed to put my relationships, um, as at a priority and something was wrong. I needed to have a professional speak into things. And so i eventually you know signed up for it and it's not cheap i go once a month sometimes once every other month depending on scheduling and it is expensive it does take a toll on our monthly budget but um it's important and again it was just a leap of faith i took to say i'm going to invest in this and it's the best thing i've ever done i've been in it for almost a full year now and I just have seen so much fruit come from it in my life, and essentially, what happens is, you know, in my therapy appointments, we will we will look at you know key sources of stress or things that came up throughout the month. So, if you know there was fights or um, moments of uh, irritation with people, or confusion, or um, even just certain stressful events going on, or whatever, I will. You know, share some of those things. And what we'll do is we'll look for common themes. Okay, what are some common themes here that we're seeing? Like, what are the things that stress you out or cause issues? Um, And then the way my therapist describes it is that a lot of these things that pop up, they're like weeds in your garden um, or flowers in your garden. Things just kind of grow and pop up. And if you source them back to their original roots down at the bottom, we find that a lot of those roots are actually from the same core issues. (laughs) And they might just look different. They have different heads on them as they come up. They might be with different people and and different sources, but they're really coming from the same issues. And so the longer I've been in therapy, the more I see what these common themes and issues are. And awareness is half the problem, right? That's what people say. It's like, okay, now that I see it, you know, great. Now we can work at rebuilding it. This is kind of what Anne was talking about. Um, we, We see the problems, we remove them, and then we rebuild. And so that's what therapy has been for me. And it's been so good in terms of boundaries and realizing like, my lack of boundaries has contributed to a lot of my relational issues or a lot of the rela- the issues i have in myself like just a lot of internal battling because i don't voice my boundaries um to those around me and therefore there's just a lack of clarity um not only within myself but in the you know in other people around me because they don't know what i need or want because i'm not expressing it and so it's been really, really good just gaining that clarity. And the longer I'm in therapy, the longer I take you know, what I'm learning in therapy and apply it outside of it in my own life and in my own head and my heart, I'm really able to gain that clarity. And um, like I said, I'm not where I want to be with this, but I am definitely taking baby steps to get closer to gaining the clarity I need in my life. And so I just wanted to really kind of share my own personal journey with it. Um, you all listening, take it for what it is because um, everyone's on their own journey, but I just wanted to share it. As far as um, finances go as well, I do have insurance and the way my insurance works, which I am I know not everyone's is the same, but um, once you hit your deductible, they do take over the payment. So what that has looked like for me is I paid my first six sessions. Um, and I do believe... I can't remember if I got a little bit back or not. Um, I don't think so. But I I paid the first six sessions and then now my next six for the rest of the year should be covered by insurance. So that was actually a surprise to me. I didn't realize that that's how mine worked. And it was really refreshing because now I can plan for it moving forward as long as I am on my same insurance plan that I will pay for six sessions a year most likely and then gain um, hopefully uh, 12 overall. So. I think it's worth looking into, and I know that if you don't have insurance, or um, you know maybe yours isn't covered, or you just cannot find the therapist, I know there are some programs out there. Listeners out there, if you know of any really affordable, cost-effective therapy outlets, please let me know, and I will blast this out to everybody because I am so passionate about this, and I just want everybody to get the support and the tools and the resources that they need to be successful in life. And one last thing is. As I close this out, I don't think that therapy is the end all be all fix. I think that I do believe Jesus Christ is the ultimate healer and I believe he alone can heal you. Um, And so starting there, I think, is the most important um, and certainly doing that alongside therapy um but i do think therapy can be very beneficial and um just an extra support that we all need our lives are incredibly stressful these days i read somewhere that we are taking more information in one day um than many people thousands of years ago took in their entire lifetime because of what we're consuming on our phones and media outlets and TV and um, advertisements and you all know it's our stress levels are just through the roof and even if they're not they are more than um, you know typically has been experienced in humanity in the past and so. We have to take care of ourselves and I'm not saying therapy is necessary, but I think it's a very helpful um, tool that a lot of us can use to get through life and um, just do it the best we can. So I love you all. Please, please, please tell me your tips and resources for therapy and that's my little rant. All right. Have a great week, everybody. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Sparkle Speak. As always, you can find us at sparklefaith.com or head over to our partners at lifeaudio.com where you can hear more podcasts just like this one. Don't forget to check out our show notes to find all of our social media. And as always, don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, share this with people that you think would enjoy hearing. It really helps us more than you realize and allows us to keep doing what we love to do, spreading the hope and love of Christ with others. So thank you so much for being here and